Warning, this show may contain adult language that is not suitable for all audiences. This is the TSN MMA Show with Aaron Bronstetter and Bazooka Joe Valtellini. Welcome to the TSN MMA Show interview edition leading up to UFC 264, the biggest card of the year, the trilogy fight between Dustin Poirier and Conor McGregor after Poirier was successful in avenging the first loss earlier this year. Now immediate rematch booked with basically the lightweight championship hanging in the balance. The winner of this fight likely to be next for Charles Oliveira per UFC President Dana White who joins us today on the TSN MMA show interview edition, along with the two principals of UFC 264, Conor McGregor and Dustin Poirier, as well as the main and co-main event participants, Gilbert Burns and Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. Very stacked show for you this afternoon, or whenever you are consuming this wonderful podcast full of interviews. A lot to get to today, so why don't we get started. The notorious Conor McGregor back in action for the first time since... Him and Poirier last fought January 24th, 2021 in Abu Dhabi, now in Las Vegas, where he was successful in early 2020 against Donald Cerrone and will now take the octagon once more against Dustin Poirier for the third time. And Conor McGregor joins us now on the TSN MMA show. That will be followed by Dustin Poirier, Dana White, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, and Gilbert Burns. Thanks for tuning in. Here is the notorious Conor McGregor. It's his first time headlining International Fight Week since 2015. The first time he won a UFC title, the interim featherweight title of the world against Chad Mendez. What do you remember about that night, Connor? Yeah, one of my, one of my uh, most treasured moments inside the octagon, my first time tasting UFC gold. Uh, great, great time. That's an interesting statistic. It's good to be back here in Las Vegas. It's good to be back here in the summer, in July. You know, I'm, I'm ready. Before you entered the UFC, you said that your dream was to be the world lightweight champion of the UFC, to have more money than you know what to do with, and to provide for your kids and grandchildren. So now what? See, every time I do an interview with, a, with, with, with the journalists like yourself and, and whatnot, they always put this type of thing, you're so accomplished, you've done it all. You know, you're number one Forbes list and all this type of stuff. And I'm just like, you know, I can't. I fed into it the last time. I relished in it. You know, now I've suffered a setback in the octagon. I'm hungry, you know, so I'm not, I'm not, that, I'm, I'm back on the site, is what I'm saying. I'm back on the building site. That's my mindset going into this. You always approached losing very honestly, and it's given you fuel. So with this past loss, what were the stages of grief like afterwards? What were you thinking about, and how did you approach it? Zero grief. Zero grief. Just an assessment of, of the tactics and the approach, and that's it. And then a correction, and that's what we've done. Did you need that loss at this stage of your athletic development? setbacks you know setbacks are are a defeat you know i i like to say is the secret ingredient to success it always launches me you know sitting there up with all this all these accomplishments and whatnot it's yeah i would say it, it, it was a nice one it was timed nice for me to be honest the calf kicks was too big of a deal made of them not at all the calf kicks were you know the the, the leg was destabilized there was free shots given there was a lot of freebies given in, in a lot of as aspects of the last fight. There's nothing free getting given here, that's for sure. 
Can you elaborate on that in terms of what you mean by freebies being given? 155 pounds on the scales, free shots in the octagon, free plugs out of pity, etc., etc. He's getting smoked. Are cap kicks very difficult to train in practice? You know, being able to drill them without shin guards. You know, that was kind of where I had, I had a... Uh, fell short because shin pad to shin pad it's like it's almost like you're checking it it's nothing but it's not the case you need to get the knee upwards and out i've corrected it so and you're going to see on saturday night what are some things that you feel give you a leg up in terms of training that perhaps you can afford and other fighters aren't able to obviously you know with financial freedom i can acquire the best of the best regarding nutrition strength training i just look after my, my my team and that's that's it you know i can do anything do anything I want on this planet. What's the best purchase that you've ever made? I would say my Lamborghini yacht. It's currently in Italy at the minute. It's ready for post-fight. So I'm actually going to have a bit of work to be done after uh, this bout across the United States. And then I go to Italy. I'm going to christen my son in Italy with the family and some friends. And then I'm going to go and pick up my Lamborghini yacht. It's a it's some some uh, some vessel, so I'm very excited to get into it and rally it around. I look forward to setting records on it also. Only 63 of them have been made, and you got proper number 12. Number 12 is yours. 63 of them in the world, which is to, to, to coincide with the year Lamborghini began. It's the first time entering the, the yacht uh, industry. Mine is number 12, yes, and I'm very excited to get it. So why do you consider that to be the best purchase in terms of anything you've ever bought? Well, I'm very excited about it at the minute, you know. I'm very excited about it. My guy in Italy, Giuseppe, who's like the CEO of the, of the company, the, the Italian C Group, which I'm involved in, um, he's been sending me videos and whatnot of it. In, in, in you know, it's, it, ha it had its sea trials. It's a missile. It's a missile in the water, and it's going to be good. Two missiles rocking around. It's 4,000 brake horsepower, two, two, two engines, two 2,000 brake horsepower engines. Lamborghini, all interior, the push button with the Lamborghini start. It's, I'm excited about it. Are they all the same color, or do you get to choose your own color? Well, you can pick your color. Of course, you pick your own color and interior. It's, you know, you get the blueprint. had it in my office, and I picked the interior and the colors and all and whatnot. So what color did you choose? It's a new, uh, it's the new Lamborghini green. You know, I went with the green. Is that like the very bright green that they've had before? No, it's more like an army-type matte green. Um, it's a beautiful color. Verdegea is the is the name of it. Verdegea, I think, is the is the is the official name. But it's the new Lamborghini green. It's the yacht itself is modeled of the Cyan, the Lamborghini Cyan. So you know the lights and all and whatnot. Um, yeah. Your family did not accompany you on this trip. Uh, why is that? It's you know, it doesn't. The kids are getting a bit older now. It's a little bit to go from wanting to tear through a man's soul and rip his heart out of his chest and. Poke his, head, uh, poke his head off his shoulders into the bleachers and then come home and be cuddling with the kids and feeding them bottles and whatnot. It just doesn't, I just kept it away, you know. It's been, it's been, it's been, it's been tough, but it's been good as well, you know. Even when I think of things like rest day, rest day when you're with the family is not necessarily rest day. You've got, you're with the kids, you're playing all day. This time I had my full rest, so when I went back into my training again, I was fully recuperated, so... A couple of things like that, and I'm very excited now to, to, to meet up with them after the belt. Were you too nice to Dustin before the last fight? Yeah, just a bit. I just felt a bit of pity for the guy. You know, I rescued, I rescued them, you know, him and, the, him and his little family. It's me who rescued them. So, 
it is what it is. It's a different landscape now. Before the last fight, I asked you about whether we were going to see the old Connor in the press conference with the, the bravado, the antics. And you said, I'm certainly a different man. I'm just me at any given time. Is that what we're going to see on Thursday? Is just whatever you are that day? Exactly. That is exactly how it is. There's no the circumstances I'm on. I don't go in with nothing planned or anything. I'm just I'm going to embrace and see how we, how we go. I'm excited to get back in in front of uh, the amount of fans that are going to be in attendance. And let's go. Outcome aside, when you were in the cage in your previous fight, was it just as fun as your previous fights? It was fun. It was fun. A few of them kicks started sinking in. It wasn't so much fun, you know. But I had a lot of fun. Of course, it's a great, it's a great thrill. It's a great thrill inside the octagon. It's a, it's a highly addictive uh, thrill. What part of being an athlete would you say that you are addicted to? You're just sharp in your mind. You're healthy in body. You know, it's, it's, you look good in the mirror. Couple of things. Is there one thing you do every single day where you feel like the day was incomplete if you didn't do it? As in the day would be incomplete? Yeah, like you'd feel like something was missing at the end of that day. No, no, not really, no. I just live life. I don't really have like superstitions or, you know, things like this. I just do my thing, however I feel. All right, Connor. Well, it's been six years since we last saw you at International Fight Week. Best of luck to you this weekend against Dustin Poirier at UFC 264. Thank you so much. Thank you. I'm now joined by Dustin Poirier, who's at the Poirier Mansion in Las Vegas. I can hear the table panels <laughs> in the background. I saw you and Mike Brown school Daya Davis and Saba Homasi. So whoever's playing right now, they're lucky you're not in there. Yeah, they got a battle going on over there, man. It's uh, been a few days of straight ping pong, so my skills are getting up there. I'm, I'm getting better every day at ping pong. All right, so we've spoken in the past about how you, you like to focus on things that are inside the box and not focus on things that are outside the box when it comes to this fight. So I'm going to try to keep things inside the box. And I want to start off with the first fight. You had never fought somebody prior to this for a second time that you had lost to. I guess it had a rematch to somebody that, you, that had beaten you in the past. When you're standing across from him for the first time in the rematch, how do you block that out? Um, I, I didn't even have to block it out. You're, you're so much in the moment and in the right now uh, when, you, when you walk into the octagon that I don't have time to think about the past or think about the first fight. It was just right now, this second, uh, being in the moment. So I, it wasn't a problem. Towards the end of the first round, you hit him with a beautiful check hook. You, you then pointed at him. When you pointed at him, was that to let him know that you had an answer to some of his best weapons or was it just gamesmanship? A little bit of gamesmanship, um, just letting him know that I had his timing, that I'm seeing openings, that I'm in the moment, that I'm, I'm aware. You know, I'm not uh, in awe of, of, of fighting Connor, of the lights, the cameras, the first fight. You know, just everything is, is, is coming together right now. Your calf kicks were one of your keys to victory. Was that a tool that you knew was going to be effective against uh, him in particular, or was it just an adjustment where you saw it was working, you just kept with it? Yeah, 100% it was an adjustment. It wasn't a game plan. We always drill them and, and work them. Uh, we know how devastating they are, but it was just something that found a home and, and I kept going back to it because it was working so well. Is it one of those things that people keep talking about? Oh, is Connor's going to learn how to check uh, calf kicks and all that? I mean, if he believes calf kicks are the strategy, he's probably not playing the game right because with Mike Brown as a coach, you guys probably have a brand new uh, game plan going into this thing anyways. Yeah, and, I, and honestly, I'm not the type of fighter that really puts a game plan together and sticks to it 100%. We kind of have 
things that we, we want to work on if, if opportunity presents itself. But I kind of just, I go in there to fight. Whatever unfolds, whatever happens, whatever I can dictate, I, I do. I feel uh, confident in, in my fighting skills. I'm, I'm well-rounded. I can wrestle. I can kickbox. I've been doing jiu-jitsu forever. And so whatever opportunity is there, I'm going to take advantage of it. So if you could sum up the game plan going into the, into the last fight, rather, um, without giving away anything you have planned for this fight, what worked uh, and what maybe didn't work? Not being over-aggressive, taking my time, being patient, uh, letting the fight uh, blossom, if you will, let, letting the fight unfold so I can get a, a track on his timing, his reaction, things like that. Don't rush. It's a 25-minute fight. Don't rush into anything or put myself in harm's way early. You know, be a, be a smart fighter. Now, one major difference between the first fight and this past fight was between those fights, you had had wars with Gaethje, Alvarez, Hooker, uh, Max Holloway. With the knowledge that you were in really tough situations in all of those fights and you were able to overcome them, when you have Conor McGregor standing across from you and he's somebody who we've seen in certain moments like that has faded, does that give you a confidence that you wouldn't have had in that first fight? Um, I don't look into it too much like, like that. I, uh, I've definitely gained momentum from, from trusting myself in those positions. I know when, advers when adversity presents itself that I, I trust myself to uh, stay in the fight, to protect myself, to, to hopefully not make dumb decisions in the heat of the moment. But other than that, of gaining trust in myself through those um, um, fights, I don't think too much into it as uh, what Connor's going to do or where he's going to fold if the fight gets ugly. I, I, you know, just show up and fight. Was there a situation in any of those aforementioned fights where you were like, "Oh, I, I'm I'm on the verge of drowning, and I need to do something quickly," and, and you surprised even yourself that you were able to dig that deep? No, I know I know I can. Um, more of a of a gratitude. After the fight, looking back at things like that, that um, I, I didn't, you know, like if, if somebody hits me with a good shot, that I didn't immediately try to land the shot back on them and put myself in harm's way to, to get even with them or to, or to be that type of fighter. And that's just growth in fighting and, and understanding the dangers that come along with fighting the best guys in the world. You know, one mistake, one wrong decision, and the fight's over, especially in mixed martial arts. There's so many ways to, to be finished and to put yourself in, in a bad position. So uh, just gratitude that all the work's paying off and, and that I'm still learning. How does Connor's power compare to previous opponents? And being at 155 pounds for this last one versus 145 pounds when you were cutting so much weight to make that benchmark uh, back for that first fight, was the power different from the first fight to the second fight? And in comparison to other fighters you fought, how, how does his power translate at 155 pounds? Oh, he's definitely a special athlete. He has uh, incredible power and speed and timing. You know, he, he's, a, he's a special guy, no doubt about it. But um, maybe the power was the same. I'm not sure. Maybe my ability to, to receive shots was better at a higher weight. A, a lot of things, you know, maybe positioning, you know, where I was when I, when I got hit with the shot. A lot of things, from my outlook in fighting, a lot of things play part in uh, going down when you get hit with the shot. You know, positioning. Like I was just saying, all, all those things. Do you feel like he's something of a limited fighter? You know, when I look at you, and I would compare you to anybody in the UFC, it's going to be a strange comparison, but kind of like Valentina Shevchenko. You're just, you're very, very good absolutely everywhere. You're not really necessarily a specialist, but you're, you're just great at everything across the board. 
Do you feel like Connor is something of a limited fighter? I think he's a um, obviously has a, a, a big advantage in some areas, like his punching power. I'm sure it's it's been worked on for years, and I'm sure some of it's God gifted. His timing is very good, and I'm, I truly believe that he's a well-rounded mixed martial artist. But he's so successful in those areas that he doesn't have to go in there and, and shoot for a takedown because he believes he's going to finish the fight on the feet, or he doesn't have to. Uh, play jiu-jitsu because he's so confident in, in what's been working for him. You know, he's knocked out a bunch of greats and and don't fix it if, it if it's not broken type of thing. You know, he hurts guys when he lands shots and he's so good at that. His timing's so good. But I, I truly believe that he's a, he's a well-rounded fighter. He's been fighting for a long time and uh, he's at a good gym with, with good people around him. So I, I would assume he's good everywhere. Does that make him a bit easier to game plan for? I mean, we see, obviously, the big left, and if you can absorb that big left, you're, you're doing something right. But then there's that, that uppercut on the right-hand side, um, you know, the, the array of kicks that he throws. And, of course, he does have a great diversity of attack, but does it make him a little bit easier to game plan for, knowing that he's going to use his best weapons? It makes him a little bit easier to game plan for because I know he's going to uh, kickbox. You know, he's not going to come out there wrestling. So uh, I believe he has the skills and the athletic ability and understanding of wrestling and jiu-jitsu, but he's going to kickbox, you know. So we'll see. We'll find out Saturday night. So when you're planning for McGregor versus planning for a guy like Khabib, where you know Khabib's wrestling is just, it's almost impossible to stop no matter who you are. You know, it's, how, how, how do you get around that in your, in your mind? It's, it's like the same thing. Like, Khabib can probably box pretty well, but he's so dominant at, at wrestling, he doesn't have to. Um, just different fights, different approaches. And But like you said, fortunately for me, that I, I feel comfortable everywhere, wherever the fight goes, so I'm always prepared for those type of things. Now going back to the very first fight, you were in your 20s. I believe that when you're between the ages of 20 and 30, there's a lot of ego involved in, in getting to where you need to be in terms of your career on becoming uh, you know, the best of the best. But once you, you hit 30 and you're between 30 and 40, you know, now you're a dad, um, you've got a lot more um, to, to worry about in your mind in terms of uh, rather than just becoming the greatest mixed martial artist, you want to be a, take care of your family and do all of these other things. Do you feel like ego was the thing that kept you from beating him the first time? Possibly. Uh, a, lo a lot of things. Reading, reading into the opinions, caring too much what people think or what people are saying. It's kind of took me out of the mental space where I needed to be to be in the moment for the fight. You know, I was there and, and I feel like I could have won. I had the skill set, but focusing on in the lead up what really mattered kind of got uh, distorted a little bit just by my mind running crazy. You know, and and that's that's understanding what you can't control and stuff is part of maturing, not as a as a fighter but as a person. You know, juggling all these different things going on, the more you do it, the, the better you're, you're equipped to do it. At the end of the UFC countdown show for this particular fight, you said it's going to be the new DP versus the new Connor. Now, we're less than six months removed from the first fight, so can you elaborate on why you believe that it's going to be new versions of yourself this time around and kind of explain your rationale for that? I think every fight, every time, you know, whether it's the same guys, fighting for a second or third time, or me fighting someone else, I'm a different fighter every time. Of course, I bring those skills and, and things that I brought to the previous fights, but I'm also, you know, 
growing in life and uh, learning things in the gym, trying different things, always evolving. If I'm that same guy, then I've done myself a disservice. You know, I have to be getting better, always. He's already started with uh, some, some mental warfare. Now, you're the one who just beat him. <laughs> so does that carry a lot less weight, knowing that you've come out victorious against him so recently? And are you going to play the game a little bit? No, I'm not, I'm not playing the mental warfare game. I, uh, Saturday night is what matters, and that's all I have control of. I don't get into that stuff anymore. You know, if, if somebody comes up to me and says, hey, F you, I'm going to say F you back. But I'm not planning or thinking about stuff or even reading into what, what he's saying or what other people are saying. It's uh, The preparation's been done. Camp's over. Now we, we get to fight Saturday night. Now, there was a bit of a, an issue in terms of the donation that he had promised for the, uh, you know, for the last fight. I know that he did end up making a great donation to the uh, Boys and Girls Club of Acadiana, I believe it was, which is what you yeah. do through the Good Fight Foundation. But does that have any sort of implications on your foundation? I know Jolie works really hard on running the foundation. Him doing, making the donation directly, does, is there anything that, you know, affects your foundation by him doing that? No, you know, it's, uh, it, it, it goes to the... To the kids in the city, the Boys and Girls Clubs are a great nonprofit. They do great things. We've teamed up with them before and helped them in some of their goals. So as long as charity gets the money, that's the win. You know, it's my name. I'm the president of the foundation, the voice of the foundation, but it's not my money. It's the people's money. So as long as it goes to the people, it's a win. You know. Who's getting uh, the money from the Good Fight Foundation uh, after this fight? I know you're always choosing a, a, a very special cause that's dear to you. Yeah, this time we teamed up with Justin Wren and the Fight for the Forgotten, as well as Manny Pacquiao with the Manny Pacquiao Foundation. Our three nonprofits are teaming up together to go back to Uganda to build housing on land that we had bought for the Pygmy people. Um, in the lead up for the Khabib fight and the post fight, we raised a bunch of money. We built water wells there in Uganda, and we had an overflow of money. We, we surpassed the goal we set, and with that extra money, we bought them land. And it's a beautiful thing to get to go back and team up with these great guys to build the housing on the land. So I'm, I'm excited and proud to be part of this. I think having folks like yourself and Justin Wren in the sport shines a great light on mixed martial arts. You know, I, I think there's always been a bit of an educational curve for people to learn about mixed martial artists. And with, with you guys doing so much to give back, and, and Conor McGregor as well, I mean, the, the amount that he gives back to first responders with his whiskey, I just think it shines a really nice light on the sport. So, you know, as somebody who covers the sport, I'd like to thank you for that. I appreciate it, man. It's an honor to be in a position and uh, have things in order to, to do those type of things. You know, I don't take those those uh, opportunities lightly. Yeah, I mean, regardless of what happens in the cage, I think legacy is more important than that. And I think the three of you, for example, have, have built a great legacy in that regard. Now, final question for you. The Nate Diaz rematch, have you studied that? Because if you look at what he did in the first fight versus the second fight, he made adjustments. He, he took things a little bit slower. Have you studied that fight, and do you think he's going to approach it in a similar way? It's tough to say. I, I don't get too caught up in those things. Nate's a completely different fighter than I am, and that was years ago. So we'll see. You know, a lot of questions you don't, you can't answer until until that bell rings. And uh, I'm just looking forward to Saturday night. Well, as you've said before, a wise man. The truth is what happens in the cage, and we'll find that out in the main event this weekend, UFC 264. Dustin, always appreciate your time, and best of luck this Saturday. Hey, thanks, man. Enjoy the show. It's International Fight Weekend. There's nobody that i like to speak to more on this week than UFC President Dana White. Such an exciting one is the trilogy fight. Conor McGregor versus Dustin Poirier. I want to go back to the last fight 
When you look at Poirier and you look at him having wars with Holloway, Alvarez, Gaethje, how well do you think that equipped him to deal with Conor McGregor and everything that comes with that in the last fight? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's all about experience. And that kid's got it. You know, he, he picked himself up, dusted himself off after the first fight with McGregor, uh, learned from his mistakes and has become what he is today. If you look at Conor's legacy right now, I think that a lot of people would say he's the guy that transcended MMA and became a huge mainstream star, one of the richest athletes in the sport, two-division champion. How much further can he improve his legacy, and what would he have to do, in your opinion, to do that? Saturday night, he would win, win the trilogy uh, with Dustin Poirier, and that will put him in title contention. He would fight for the title again. So if he does fight for the title and, say, hypothetically wins it and becomes a two-division champion, uh, sorry, a two-time lightweight champion, rather, do you think he needs to defend the title in order to improve his, his fight legacy? No, but, you know, there's, there's two things that, that McGregor loves. He loves to compete, loves to win, and uh, he loves money. So, you know, he wins on Saturday night, puts him in title contention. You know, that fight will be massive, and then every defense after that would be huge. So... Um, the, the amount of money that this kid can make is unlimited. You mentioned recently the winner of this fight is likely in line for a lightweight championship fight against Charles Oliveira, who will be at the fight this Saturday. Do you hope that that fight happens this year, if, if all goes according to plan? Yeah, yeah. I'd like to see it happen this year. When would you target that? I mean, I, know, I don't know if Madison Square Garden is open, but uh, is November at MSG a possibility? Yeah, no, no, November at MSG is very possible. Um, or, or it could be at the end of the year. I, I don't know yet. Uh, we got to see what happens on Saturday. You know, and whoever wins, how does he come out of this fight? Is that kind of the plan? Is November and December same as, as usual New York and Vegas, the two really big events to kind of end off the year? Yeah, and it's, it, you know, it, it's going to depend on, on what else opens up in this country and, um, you know, where we're able to go. Have you been talking to different states? From your understanding, which states are open to full capacity now that you guys are exploring? Yeah, so we, we got a guy that, that, that deals with nothing but that. And, uh, you know, yeah, he, he's out there following up with, uh, with um, you know, all these different states to see who's open. And if they are, are they available? You know, because a lot of concerts are trying to go on right now. And, you know, a lot of people are backed up and, and looking to put on events. Look at the co-main event with... Gilbert Burns, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. Wonderboy is one of the few people in the welterweight division that has not yet fought Usman, but he's 38. He's fought twice for the title before. How much pressure is there on Wonderboy to win this fight? Could this be his last chance to get back into title contention? I think there's a ton of pressure on both guys. You know, I, I, obviously Gilbert Burns wants to get back and get another title shot too. And, and, and again, that's what makes this fight so fun. There's so much at stake, you know. Um, and, and is Wonderboy going to stay on the outside and pick Gilbert Burns apart? Can Gilbert Burns get in and, and trade with him? And can he catch Wonderboy? You know, he's so mobile. And if he does catch him, can he take him down? Wonderboy has great takedown defense. It's a very uh, stylistically a fun fight, and there's a lot at stake. Greg Hardy debuted about two and a half years ago. This is his ninth UFC fight. A lot of hoopla around him when you guys signed him and, and started having him on the roster. Now he seems like just another heavyweight. Did you expect him to be a little bit further ahead in his progression at this point in time? How do you evaluate no. his talent? No, I did not. You know, th this guy's coming in. He played football his whole life. Came in at an older age and started training MMA. And, and I talked to Jerry Jones when, when, we, when we signed him. And 
he told me, man, he said, he's one of the toughest, meanest dudes I've ever had on the team. And, and he was right for, for, for him to still be here. I think, I, I think people are, are, are overlooking um, what, what this guy has accomplished, that he's still here in the UFC. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I think with his athleticism, with that alone in the heavyweight division, I think he's got a leg up on a lot of different people. So how do you evaluate him at this point in time? Where, where do you think he's at in his career? Uh, this, well, this is a big one. Obviously, he's, you know, he's going in against Tai Tuivasa, which is a uh, which is a very tough fight for anybody. Um, and and this 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 is a real big test for him. So, and and I expect Tai Tuivasa comes out from bell to bell and tries to take your head off. So I, I think this fight's going to be a, a war, and uh, this is going to show us where he's at. You've mentioned there are going to be a ton of celebrities in attendance for this weekend's card. Give me some names. Who's, who's on the guest list? Um, everybody from uh, Justin Bieber, Machine Gun Kelly, uh, Trump. Uh, we got uh, Mel Gibson. Huh? Kardashians. Car- yeah, Kardashians uh, coming with uh, Travis Barker. You got uh, Megan Fox, Kevin Durant, Chappelle, um, OBJ. The list goes on and on. Uh, well, let's back up the trunk here for a second. You just dropped Trump's name out of, like, in the middle of Mel Gibson. So Donald Trump's going to be at the event yeah. <laughs> this weekend. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, and, you... and, and, and a lot more, tons more celebrities. That's just off the top of my head. And then you start getting into, like, the rock stars of the business world and stuff, like Michael Dell and, you know, it, just tons of guys like that. Now, this is obviously a big deal for the UFC, but how big of a headache is this for you? How do you determine who sits where and how many different phone calls do you have to field on a daily basis to deal with the, these kind of circumstances? It's a great question, brother. I, I, it has been an absolute nightmare doing tickets. It's the worst part of this job. It's always been the worst part of this job, and, and uh, this, 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 this wasn't fun. You know, no matter it's – like, it's like your wedding every weekend. You're seating people – no matter where they're sitting, they're not happy, and that guy's in front of me. I should be in front of him. You know, all, all that kind of shit. Now, your voice sounds a little bit hoarse. I don't know if that's from, uh, you know, having a rager in Maine last week like you usually do during Fourth <laughs> of July week, or if it's from taking so many phone calls. Uh, <laughs> who bothered you the most last week? When you, you, you like to have your week off in Maine, do you, do you disconnect, or do you, do you have to deal with all kinds of stuff while you're down there? No, yeah, no, I'm still taking calls and, and, and dealing with stuff. Um, especially leading up to a week like this, but, but it's all good, yeah. UFC 229 reportedly had 2.4 million buys. I know you don't have the data yet. You're getting it later this week in terms of buys for this one, but if you had to guess over or under 2 million buys for this one, what do you think? Over. And the gate was roughly 17.2 million. I think that might be the T-Mobile Arena record uh, for, for UFC 229. Is this one over that number as well? This one's over 15. So it's between in the 15th to 17th range. So that would make it, I guess, number two all time. And yeah, you guys already hold the record. Right. All right. So let's, uh, let's go back to the heavyweight division where we have next month in Houston. You've got Cyril Gaon taking on Derek Lewis. And I know this uh, was not necessarily the fight that you guys were hoping to make with Francis Ngannou being the heavyweight champion. A lot of people are concerned about how quickly an interim title was made. 
You guys, I love this fight. That's oh, a fantastic <laughs> fight for sure. I mean, it, it's two of the best heavyweights in the world, and there's there's some bad blood with Cyril Gunn uh, having formerly trained with Francis Ngannou, and of course Derek Lewis having beaten Francis Ngannou. But you guys signed a multi-event deal with uh, the city of Houston uh, and Tillman Fertitta. Was there something in that conversation where you, you guaranteed a heavyweight title fight or a Derek Lewis headlined card that made August such a priority to have a heavyweight title fight? No, but but I, I was planning on going there in August. So, um, you know, it's not like there's a ton of places you can go right now. And I'm, I'm paying back the people who, you know, were there for us when, when we were ready to go. So, um, yeah, I, 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 I wanted to get that done. I think right now there are about 13 divisions that don't have title fights scheduled yet. I imagine there's going to be a bunch of announcements coming up soon. But why was heavyweight the one that you wanted to do in August? Uh, well, we were going to uh, we were going to Houston, and Derek Lewis is from Houston. Okay, so that was the priority, and, and that's why it was so important to have him on that card. Yeah, well, he was going to be on the card one way or another, regardless. So does this situation kind of send a message to the athletes in, in the UFC that I mean, the train's going to leave the station. If you're, you're either on the train or you're off the train, this is the this When has that do. not been the message? That's always been the message. Yeah, you want to fight? You want to fight? I got fights every Saturday. You don't want to fight? No problem. I got fights every Saturday. So you can jump in whenever you're ready. When, when do you think that uh, Francis will fight next then against the winner of this fight? Or do we have to see yeah, how, so, if there's so injuries? For, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. We'll see how this thing plays out. Francis will fight the winner of this. And then the winner of that fight will probably fight Stipe. So John Jones doesn't factor in really anytime soon? John Jones said he's sitting out till next year. When John Jones is ready to fight, John Jones can call me. Would you want John to take a, another fight in the heavyweight division that was not a title fight? That's up to him. Whatever he wants to do. I mean, the guy's been fighting his whole career. He, he's the GOAT. It's not, it's not like he's going to learn anything else, taking another fight with somebody else. The guy's one of the best in the world. As long as he feels he's in shape and, and ready to go, he can fight whoever he wants. Uh, John's in his prime right now. Is it weird to not have him fight at this moment for you? Do you wish that he was fighting so we could see him in his prime performing? I, I, don't, I don't think about any of that stuff. That's up to them. I put on fights. That's what I do. If you want to fight, I got fights. If you don't, I, 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 don't, I, I, I roll on. I focus on... The guys who want to fight, guys who don't want to fight, I don't even think about them. I don't even focus at all, not one bit, with what they're doing. You can be John Jones, Conor McGregor, or whoever. If you say, listen, I'm, I'm retired, or I'm not fighting, or I'm sitting out a year, I don't think about you ever until you're back on the roster. All right, so you're in the war room right now. I've been in there with you, and I'm, I was making direct eye contact the whole time. I felt like I was Charlie at Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory trying to give back the, ever, the uh, everlasting gobstoppers and, and solve the puzzle. Uh, I want you to do me a favor. Go to like the month of September. Just pick a random fight off the wall. Let's break some news here. It doesn't, matter, it doesn't need to be a main event. Just like a random bot. It could be the first fight on a card. Uh, I want to I utilize the war room while you're in there. The month of September? Sure. September, October. Just, just an, any, any fight. Co-main event. But, but what if it, a lot of these aren't done yet. These are, these are placeholders until we get them done. Do you, have, do you know any offhand that are for sure done that you can you can throw at me? No, no none, none that are for sure done. Um, co-main event in September. I won't give you the date or whatever. Nick Diaz versus Robbie Lawler. All right, I'll take it. That was the fight I said when Nick Diaz came back. 
I said Robbie Lawler was the perfect opponent. It's a rematch from 12 years ago or whatever, something along those lines. That's the fight. I'm glad you guys made that one. We didn't make it yet. I'm glad it's in the works. I'll use my, the, journalism, uh, the journalism article that they always put out. This fight's in the works, so I'm glad that's in the works. There'll be 350 stories tomorrow about how that fight's done. Well, well when I did I, that one for you. When okay? I put when I put it out, I don't out, like I, doing that shit. Get ready, <laughs> get ready for all the idiot websites out there talking about how I said this fight's done. I'll put in the works capitalized, all caps, because you gave that to me. Cool. <laughs> all right, I appreciate your time, Dana. Uh, enjoy this weekend. It's going to be an amazing trilogy fight. Conor McGregor, Dustin Poirier, headlining this weekend's UFC 264 card. Thanks for your time. Thanks, buddy. He is in the co-main event of UFC 264 taking on Gilbert Burns. Not an unfamiliar spot. You've co-main event the Conor pay-per-view before. What's the atmosphere like for a Conor McGregor pay-per-view versus a different event that you might have headlined? Oh, my goodness, yeah. So, you know, Conor McGregor having him as your main card, it's nuts. I mean, the crowd uh, comes from all over the world to come see this guy fight. I was there for UFC 205 at Madison Square Garden in New York City, and it was epic. And this is one of the best cards of the year. It is a stacked card, and I'm just honored to be a part of it. What do you think of Conor as a fighter? If you, I'm sure that in your mind sometimes you have kind of fantasy matchups of how you would match up against somebody. What would your strategy be if you were facing Conor McGregor? Well, probably the same strategy Dustin Poirier did against him his last fight. You know, Conor McGregor lost his, his movement, and I think that played a huge part in his loss against uh, Dustin Poirier. But if he gets that movement back, if Conor gets that movement back, that karate style, the moving in and out, the angle change that you saw when he fought against Jose Aldo, he can definitely win this fight. When you enter the cage, do you bring any sort of emotion in with you? Uh, you know, do you, do you come into the cage kind of free, or do you like to bring some sort of emotion towards your opponent when you enter the cage? Some people got to put themselves in that situation. They got to put themselves in that zone, that mindset, that they have to have something to dislike about their opponent, or they have to get angry. Not me. I come out with a smile on my face, man. And to me, it's just a, it's a, it's a, it's a game that I love to play. And even when I'm out there, you know, I don't, I, I don't feel bad about letting my opponent up or giving them a high five out there, you know, if they, if they got a good technique on me. So it's fun for me, man. And, and that's how I, that's how I look at this game. It's fun. Is there anything in life that really makes you angry? Uh, yes. People talking in the movie theater. I think that's a huge one, and that's one thing I think a lot of people uh, – well, I've talked about a few times on several podcasts. People talking to movie theater and kicking my seat. Those are my pet peeves, man. When I go see a cinematic adventure, don't mess with that, pal. I've heard even during the previews you get upset if somebody talks. I saw you on Chris Weidman's show this past week, and during the previews, that's still out of bounds. That's my jam. I've got to know what up-and-coming movies are coming out. You know, what it's, you know what I mean? That's like that's like the go to. That's like the the the, you know, the best part of going to the movies. What movies are coming out next? Right. I got my popcorn. I paid for this. Don't mess it up. All right. So let's let's do a, a role playing scenario here. I'm sitting behind you at the movie theater and Black Widow's about to, uh, to hit the screen. But we've got the previews. Venom 2 is, is coming out at some point in time. And I'm I'm, I'm checking my texts. I'm, I'm talking to my my buddy. What, what what's your move? I'll be. I'll definitely start out with looking back behind me, especially if you're talking loudly and just giving you the eye, right? Letting you know that I'm there, that I know that you're talking, and that I want you to be quiet. If it continues 
and normally it continues because they just want to make me angry. Then that's when I start to say something. It's never gone to the point where I've had to like throw any blows or anything like that, but there has been words said, and that's pretty much where it stops. <laughs> this is something that you've gotten from your dad. Your dad is, is very serious about his movie going experience as well? 100%, and it's crazy how much this guy rubs off on me. 100%. I don't care if you're five years old or 85 years old. If you're talking or if you kick his seat, he's looking back at you and giving you the death stare. <laughs> 100% that's where I get it from. And I'm sure you've taken flights with him as well over the years to compete. Does the same thing happen if somebody behind him on an airplane is kicking his chair? Oh, do not kick the man's chair. It's like that kid in a kindergarten cop that was kicking Arnold Schwarzenegger's seat, and he turns around and he has the pencil. He said, you kick my seat one more time, and he snaps the pencil in half. That's my dad. That's, that's Mr. T right there. So one other thing I learned from watching the interview that you did with your brother-in-law, Chris Weidman, is that you, you don't really like talking about Gilbert Burns or your opponent during a fight week. Why is that? You know, it, one of the reasons, like, I don't even like watching fights, to be honest with you, is I do it all the time, right? I put myself, it brings me in to that mindset that I'm getting ready to go fight, getting ready to go do battle. And you talk to anybody, it's, it's a very stressful situation, right? right? Your nerves are going, you're nervous, you're wondering why you're doing this. And I just don't like to put myself there until it's time, you know? So that's one of the reasons why I kind of get like that. I won't even watch fights. If, I gotta, if I'm going through, if I got a fight coming up and I'm going through camp, I won't watch any UFC fights. Why is that? It's just, it's nerve wracking for you or it's just, you need your escape? Yeah, I just need my escape. I think that, I think both, you know, like I know what those guys are going through at the time that they're going through it. You know, them being in the back of the nerves, you know, like the camera in their face. Uh, but I, you do kind of need your escape because I do this 24-7 at the gym all the time. And sometimes you just need your escape. Now, you've talked in the past about how uh, you were always afraid of getting knocked out. You had never experienced it up until the uh, Anthony Pettis fight in, I think, with 85 fights or something along those lines. You knew maybe one day this was going to happen, and they kind of sat with you. Now, you've also never been submitted, as far as I know. Uh, with Gilbert Burns, you've got kind of a dual threat in front of you in that regard. Do you ever fear getting submitted in a fight? Has that been something that you've, you've been nervous about in the past? Not really, man. Not really. I mean, especially when it comes to like heel hooks and stuff like that, because I've had so many knee surgeries, you know, um, that's always been kind of like a, a fear of mine, not, you know, not tapping too fast or not too, too, too soon or quick enough. And then, you know, there you go. My, my ACL has gone. Uh, but I never really, never really, I thought about it. I figured not getting knocked out was always worse. Now that's a good segue when you talk about uh, your ACL. I, I also found out from, again, watching this interview that you did with Chris was when you were 15, I guess, you said you were kind of burnt out on, on martial arts at the time or on karate at the time, and you had torn basically your ACL, PCL, MCL, the, you know, the, the holy trinity of, of the knee. Uh, and you were, you were on the shelf for like three years, but you, you said that that really helped you in terms of your growth. After Chris yes. suffered his injury, did you talk to him about that and how you, you found that to be a blessing at the time? I think, at, well, see, I've known Chris for, for, for many, many years, and I, you know, these conversations has, has, has come up time and time again, so he knows kind of my mindset. He, knew, he knows kind of where I was at at the time and what I did to get through that, keeping family, friends close, and those good, those good vibe people around you. So um, I think he already knew. And the only time I actually talked about it was on his podcast, you know, after the fight. So I've known him for a long time. He's known how I got through it. 
and hopefully in some way it has helped him. Now, you talked about being burnt out back then. Have you been burnt out since at all? Since you've come back when you were 18, and now, of course, you've had a whole UFC career. Has there been a time where you were kind of burnt out on the sport and you had to kind of uh, somehow reinvigorate yourself? Not at all, man. This flame has been lit in me like no other. Um, and I haven't had to rekindle it. Like, it, it, you know, stepping in the gym after a fight, or especially after a fight, I'm back in the gym and training seven, seven days a week I'm there at the gym. I li- I'm there more than I am at home teaching class, doing karate camps, and training on top of that. I love it. And you spend a lot of time with your dad over the years. He's been your coach and your mentor. Uh, how have you kept such a strong relationship with him? Do you guys Are, are you guys ever at each other? Do you, or do you have kind of a sensei relationship with him where like you have such a, a high respect for him that you would never kind of backtalk him? Oh, well, kind of both, I guess. I mean, you know, we always don't see eye to eye. But on top of that, like, you know, in the gym and in the cage or whenever I'm fighting, he's coach. You know, he's been in this game for a very long time. He's um, trained a lot of world champions. And I know I respect what what he has to show is very important. And I think and sometimes you see those father-son duos. The, the, the son gets a little bit of success. The young buck gets a little success. Next thing you know, they're thinking they know more than the, their father. But I, I respect my dad a lot. And, and um, I wouldn't be here before him, so I listen to him. Has that ever happened where you, you, you thought that you knew better than your dad? Never, 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 never. I mean, he's the type of guy that knows, like, you know, I, I got another lifetime to, to get. I mean, he's 66 years old. I got another lifetime. As long as I've been on Earth now, I got another one of those to get to where he's at. You know what I mean? I, I always look at it that way. Like, this guy knows what he's talking about. He's had the experience. He's fought. So, really, and maybe in other things I have but not in, when it comes to MMA. I'll say that you took some liberties with, with the age, having another second lifetime up until then. You, you subtracted a couple of years. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, I subtracted a few years, but still. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, I, got, I, got, I got another, I got a long time to get to where he's at, for sure. So what is your escape? You know, if, if fighting is your job and something that you're focused on, you know, you're living in the gym, like you said, when you get home, what would be the ideal night for Stephen Wonderboy Thompson to unwind and not think about martial arts? Man, I play video games. I stream on my on Twitch, Wonderboy Faith. Um, I get on there and play video games, man. I'm like my getaway. Or I lose myself in a movie. I'm a huge movie buff, as you can tell. Um, or just hanging out with my fam, man. We, we, we have cookouts on the weekends, just hanging out at the pool, um, doing anything other than martial arts. That's what we do. That's what we do. What's the movie you've watched the most times in your life? Oh, my goodness. Here recently, I think it's probably The Not Avengers. Recently, your, your entire Avengers. life. Like if, if you said, I've watched life. this movie more than any other movie. Like oh, I've watched man. this 30 times. I can recite scenes from it. Do you have a movie like that? The Sandlot. All right, well, I like that. It's an honest answer. The movie that like, in lot. That's that was my jam, man. I can remember just about any any that and probably the Harry Potter movies. I just remember the uh, the chubby kid with the the red hair and the freckles from the yeah, Sandlot. Yeah, that's yeah, what I yeah. think about when I think the Sandlot. Yeah, I love that guy, the Great <laughs> Bambino, and that looks exactly the same. I don't know if you've seen him. Like I followed him on social media recently, and he looks exactly the same. Like the guy doesn't age. 
It's ridiculous. It's weird. That's good for him. Yeah, I mean, that's that, that movie's <laughs> iconic. That's a, it's a great movie. I think it's probably on Disney Plus or something along those lines, but uh, a fantastic movie. Uh, well, Wonderboy, thank you for this. I tried to not talk about Gilbert Burns for as long as possible. Talk more about your mentality. Talk more about your hobbies because if, if you don't want to talk about it during fight week, I'm going to give you I'm going to give you that. You've talked about him enough today. So thanks for doing you this. I appreciate the, your time. Brother. <laughs> I appreciate you. And thanks for having my friend. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be joined by Gilbert Dorino Burns taking on Stephen Wonderboy Thompson in the co-main event of the stacked UFC 264 card this weekend. Now, you're coming off of your first title fight in the UFC. Other than the fight itself, what is the hardest thing about being in a title fight in terms of the preparation, in terms of making sure that you stay focused? It was very hard that, that to make sure I was in the... Not, not, not just technically on a strategy but the, the fox on the fight was hard because that was my first time fighting for the title and i had so much let me say so much kind of fame a lot of people come and ask for a picture they trying to be friends with the champion and uh yeah kind of i think i got caught up a little bit with that and a lot of interviews a lot of work uh that's the hardest part to to be a champion and i always won all that but I had no idea how hard, how hard was that work, you know, just, especially the training too. Every, my last uh, fight before that was Tyron Wood, it was five rounds, then Kamado, another five rounds. This time I'm kind of a little bit, um, I'm a little bit happier. There's only three rounds, but uh, yeah, the, doing five rounds all the time is hard. And the whole process on during five weeks, all the interviews is a lot. So it was a very, good learning experience that uh i didn't know was that hard it kind of i have even more respect for kamara and all the champions in the ufc because it's not easy well now that that's behind you and after right after that fight happens it gets quiet i imagine you, people stop bothering you yeah he got very quiet and i kind of like it i had two weeks uh a little vacation with the family it was great uh and then but after that was right back in training you know and then I like that quietness a little bit. I like to stay training, stay concentrated, you know, re refocus again. And uh, yeah, it was a good one. It was a good time to to get refocused in and stay with the family. And then yeah, I, li I like it. I like it even more, to be honest. Yeah, I guess that's what comes with the territory of being a champion. Is, uh, you know, everybody wants to talk to you. All eyes are on you. Uh, but it, it's good that you were able to get a sense of peace after the fact and really reflect on what had happened. So going back, if you could change anything about your preparation or anything in the lead-up to that fight, obviously we know what happened inside the cage. What would you change? Uh, I would change a lot of things for sure, but uh, I wish I could change. I could I could go back in time, but I can't. Well, And I'm not focused on if I could. Yeah, if I could, but I can't. That if, if, I, I cannot, I, I hate to make that if. What can I do different now? I can, you know, prepare better. I can make sure I'm focused on what was the most important thing. I have priorities now that I got to focus. So I just got to be able managing managing that time. Make sure I don't waste a lot of time on the things that take a lot of energy away. A lot of social media, you know, a lot of things uh, on, on that, on, on that area. I gotta. I love to fight. I love to train. So, and I love my family. So that's it. I, I put a lot of energy on those things, on my family, on my training, my preparation, resting, and uh, on becoming a champion. I think, like, like your question was, what 
where I could change if I could go back in time. I cannot go back in time, but I can change things now and make sure more professional. I do things even, I think, more professional than I was doing before. And uh, that's exactly what I'm doing. You know, I'm not taking no easy ways. I never did, but um, but I think I'm I'm back on track on that road to become a champion again. That Saturday night is going to be the first step. Now, the one thing that's harder than getting a title shot is getting a second title shot. Uh, do, do you feel yes. added pressure now in your career to win fights like this against Wonderboy? You know, a loss is a, is a major setback after losing a championship fight if you want to get back into the mix. Yeah. Um, I, I'm not even seeing it that way. I've seen Steven Thompson. It's a great competition. And I want to give my best Saturday night to beat him. I've been preparing very good for that. And uh, to be honest, I'm not for sure at, at the back of my head I still thinking so much on the title I want to become a champion that's my my priority that's my number one goal but it's one fight at a time right now I just got my opportunity I understand it's going to be hard to get the second one but I'm not I'm taking one fight at a time one step at a time I just want to want to completely be focused on my performance on Saturday night beat Wonder boy, and then we go from there. And I'm not, oh, okay, now I need to do three, four, five. I'm not doing that math anymore. I'm just taking one fight at a time. And uh, the performance will speak itself. You know, if you have a couple good performances, you're going to be able to get a title shot. If not, if you can get, I, I can name a lot of guys that have seven win streak, nine win streak. If they don't get a title shot, it's all about the performance, I think. So I'm focused on my performance. Well, one guy that I'm sure you're referencing there is Leon Edwards. Now, Leon Edwards just had a fight against Nate Diaz. He was cruising four and a half rounds. He had won. It was, it was in the bank. And then that last minute or two of that fight basically takes him almost right out of contention. Were you, were you amazed to yeah. see how, much, how little respect he's getting after that win because of just that one minute of, of action at the end of that fight? To be honest, I was, I was cheering for him. I wanted him to get his title shot. I wanted the guy to have his opportunity. He'd been doing a great fight he's been doing a great job but i i don't what i think my opinion i i can be wrong and my opinion was it needs to be finishes you know i think he i don't know how many streaks you can even correct it was nine win streaks right i think it's 10 now like after nate 10 now but how many finishes can you tell me how many finishes he has i think maybe one or two yeah it's not it's not many a lot of the, a lot of them have gone the distance so I think that that's speaky itself, you know. If you get a couple freaking dominant performance and a couple finishes, you're going to be able to get a title shot. But if you just go out there for sure, you win. But you don't bring excitement. You're not on the, you know, it's kind of sometimes a boring fight. That doesn't give you the title shot, you know. I think that guy, the the, the Russian guy, I'm, I forgot his name. He just... Knock, uh, what's his name? Uh, the guy that gave the spinning elbow crazy spinning elbow at, at the finish, the 205 guy, he almost got a title shot. We like two, three fights in the UFC, but he's been dominating everybody, he's been getting a lot of finish. That guy don't need eight, ten fight win streak. So, the way they see is all about the performance. I think Leon has been doing a great job, but the style that he plays, the thing that he does, it, it doesn't. I don't think it does stamp on everyone's face. Okay, he's the next for the title shot, but he's not. I'm not focused on that. I'm focused on my fight. But the way I see it's everything about the performance. If you go out there and finish, you're going to be able to get a title shot sooner or later. But if you just go out there and win the fight, but 
don't get the don't get the finish. Just just kind of cruise, stay there. And he had a couple chances that I think he could finish, but he play he play safe. You know that's that's his style, not my style. Sometimes I pay for that, but it is what it is, you know. I think you're talking about Yuri Prokhashka at, uh, at light heavyweight, but yes, you're somebody who yes, can speak to this yes. too. I mean, you're somebody who came in and it wasn't uh, who you beat, it was how you beat them. And then that's how you got your title shot. Yes. Now, since this last fight, you know, even before you fought Usman, we talked about how you really wanted to go back to your BJJ roots. You know, you had fallen in love with striking, but BJJ is, is how you came up. And recently, back in April, you beat Rafael Lovato Jr., a wizard at BJJ and grappling. Does that give you a big confidence boost going into this fight? You know, getting a win outside of MMA, but still a big win in, in that world uh, in between this Usman, the last Usman fight and now this fight. I'm confident and I'm always confident, but for sure going to a competition against a high-level guy and getting the win always helps with that with the confidence. But uh, I'm a born grappler, you know. I love to grapple. I love to do the jiu-jitsu. As soon as I don't have a fight, and that's not gonna for sure affect on my on my fight on my preparation for for the UFC fights. I'm gonna be grappling, and uh, I'm that just helps me to get to my to my to my goal that 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 become a UFC champion. So those those grappling fights just to stay sharp, you know, to to be current on my jiu-jitsu, keep evolving. The jiu-jitsu is always evolving. It's always a new position. Before it was a brilliant bolo, then it was a leg lock, and you're going to keep getting better and improve. And then I just want to make sure I improve with the game as well. So that's why I, that's why I compete, to keep my jiu-jitsu very sharp. But uh, you ask if it helps my comments, for sure it helps, but MMA is different. You know, it's another fight. So when I get another monster in front of me, and I'm very excited for that challenge. Now you mentioned the monster in front of you. That's Wonder Boy, Stephen Thompson. Now he's somebody that's very difficult to prepare for. In terms of a stylistic matchup, is he the toughest guy that you've had to prepare for in your uh, UFC career? I know Vicente Luque, your close friend, training partner, has fought him before, and I imagine he's been a valuable resource in terms of preparing for this particular fight. Yeah, uh, yeah, it was hard. It was hard to 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 get prepared to this fight because, as Sam for MMA, we don't have a lot of karate. We don't, and uh, I gotta. Bring a couple guys from outside, and I brought Ian, Lee and Jimenez. That was one of the guys that helped me so much. And I brought Raymond Daniels, that, that's a karate master right there, that was there with me a little bit more than a month, helped me to prepare for this fight. And uh, and I think I understand so much of that style, you know, the, the karate style, the decent style, the point style, you know. They just they want to touch, they don't want to get touched, the in-and-out movement, the angles. And uh, I think... Answer your question was a hard one to prepare, but on the same time, I learned so much that 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 was that that has been very. Uh, I've been growing so much that, for sure, I invest a lot. Brought guys out of camp. We had to fly these guys in, pay the hotel, help the guys with a lot of with anything that they need. I I invest a lot of more money into this camp. But on the same time, the knowledge that those guys are passing to me, the learning experience, it's it's huge and making me very well prepared for this fight. And that's what I'm looking for. That's what I was looking for. And I'm very confident on my training and my preparation for this fight. Now, I've got a video recommendation for you, if you'll hear me out. My, my podcast co-host, Joe Valtellini, is the voice of Glory Kickboxing. He actually beat Raymond Daniels in Glory Kickboxing. He made a video on YouTube, How to Beat Wonder Boy Thompson. Have you watched this video? 
No, I didn't watch this video. Say, 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 send me that. Send that on, on the message. I didn't. But uh, Raymond was a guy that helped me so much. And uh, so smart on that movement. Uh, and then gave me a lot of concepts, a lot of things that I can't do, that are things that I shouldn't do. It. And uh, yeah, I think that was a big help already, to be honest. I'll send you the video. Anthony Pettis watched that video on the way to the arena, and we, we saw what happened in that fight. But uh, obviously very high stakes right now in the welterweight division. It looks like Colby Covington is getting the next shot, but I think it's pretty wide open after that. Is that how you view it? As after the fight with Colby, we, back to the drawing board, we'll see what happens in the welterweight division. Yeah, I'm not, I don't know. I think Colby's going to get, he's going to get the title or even Ali's my manager too. I could ask him. I don't even ask him so much. I'm just trying to get that win on Saturday and then we're going to talk about it. And then I'm going to sit down with my TNC. Uh, like you said, I think it's open, but I'm not trying to, oh, I'm going to, I want to fight Leon. I want to fight Nate or I want to fight. I don't want to, I don't, I don't know right now, to be honest. I'm not focused on that. My, my, Total Fox right now, it's relaxed, make sure I make way good. Thank God the way he's on, the, he's on point right now. But I want to stay sharp. I want to keep doing everything that I train for this fight. And then uh, make sure I carry on that, that energy, the, the, the headspace that I have right now, and make sure I'm ready for Saturday night and uh, perform my best against the Wonder Boy. And then, then we'll see. And then we'll see after that. I watched you on Dean Diaries. You, when you have people over at your house, you're a great host. Lots of food. Your, your wife makes all kinds of great dishes. But I can't come. Over. I, I can't bring my kid over because Josh will 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 beat a, will kick his butt. I can't. I can't put my kid through that. Josh is a beast. He's so what he did, and he's the younger one. And he's very small, but he's still he's a beast. He give him. You saw he give him a couple couple back flips and. Uh, both, both of my kids are very athletic. Pedro is very strong. Joshua is very aggressive. Pedro is a little bit more chill. I miss those kids so much. They, you thank God they come and they, the, 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 the arena is sold out, but they got the tickets. They come in. My wife's coming. And yeah, whenever you're in Florida, hit me up. If you, if you be nice, I might, I might give you some good food. All right. I'm not bringing my kids though. I've, I've got to, I've got to <laughs> protect them from, from, from Josh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, Gil, thank you for your time. Best of luck, co-main event yourself, Stephen Thompson, this Saturday. Uh, always appreciate your time. Thank you, guys. Have a good one. A huge thank you to all of our guests. Conor McGregor, Dustin Poirier, UFC President Dana White, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, and Gilbert Burns for joining us on the TSN MMA Show interview edition this week. Tons of great interviews. Hopefully you enjoyed them. We've got a lot more to get to as the year continues. We've got a, a card next weekend coming up. The train never stops. I believe it's a Machashev versus Moises next week. So we'll continue to bring you great interviews. And you can also check out the TSN MMA show, Standard Edition with myself and Bazooka Joe Valtellini talking all things UFC 264 and everything going on in the world of mixed martial arts, including a potential bout between Nick Diaz and Robbie Lawler that UFC President Dana White was nice enough to give us this week as part of the uh, interview. Hey, asking you shall receive, right? Thanks for tuning in. See you next week. Thanks for listening to the TSN MMA Show. For all the latest UFC news, visit tsn.ca slash UFC.